0: Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.
1: Well, I don't know what your weather's been like, but I have to tell you, we've had the most amazing... Mercurial, up and down, torrential rains, unbelievable hail, and then frickin' hot here in Colorado where I'm home-based. And also my guest today is also home-based. But it's been quite a roller coaster summer to say the least, and I just want more sun. I'm, just, I'm a sun girl. So with that, let's talk about sunning up, um, with some of the things that you need to do. And one of the things you need to bring the sunshine. To who you are as your, as an author. To who you are for indie publishing, to who your brand is, is all about your website. And I know I've done a few shows on websites. There's always twists and turns. There's new variances that we have. And my guest today, who has been a guest um, before on Author You Guide to Book Publishing, has a really uh, quite a pedigree behind him. He's an author himself. He has written several best-selling fiction books. Uh, Pactum is his Latest, also, uh, 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 Legan Legend, Legan Awakening, Legan, yeah. Legan Awakening, um, and he's also one of my favorite graphic type people and in, in heading up the visionary for Light and Sound Graphics. So, what Nick Taylor brings to the party is really a huge, uh, vast of experience, which what it was what I really love to have for authors and today's authors because when you just work a lot of times with a one-trick pony they really don't get what needs to be integrated and brought about, and website is just critical from the get-go, and I try to get all my authors, okay, so who's designing, what's going on, you know, have you have you looked at other websites to see um, it, what clicks and what doesn't click, and what you like and what you don't like, and, you know, what do you want to mimic, what's new on the horizon, and there's a lot new horizons in websites, so Nick, at our recent event that we did called how to write a book in just four weeks, nonfiction book, which is great fun. And we're doing the non, uh, the online session right now, and we'll start out the on-site session in uh, the month of September for those of you who can get to Colorado for that. Otherwise, online again will be on in October. That... Nick really uh, introduced me to a new website, and I went, whoa, 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 this new platform, this new variable that had a much uh, less complicated uh, uh, introduction to it, plus to to manipulate it as the author input input in, and the cost variables were certainly attractive. So we're going to get into that today. So Nick Taylor is my guest. He is the founder and the key partner in Light and Sound Graphics. Um, he is superb when it comes to ebook creation, and I send all my ebooks to Nick to create for our authors. So Nick, welcome back to author you.
2: Thank you Rick, for having me on.
1: All right, so let's just jump into it because you know I have to tell you, I still hear authors say, I really don't need a website. And I, you know, I, I just, I, I, to that point, either my mouth will drop open or maybe I get that headlight, you know, in the eyes look, thinking, am I talking to someone stupid? Um, what? Right. Why do people still think that?
2: You know, I'm not sure where that mentality comes from. Um, you know, five, six years ago, you could kind of see where there's some people that were holding out, but it's 2015. And everything has a website. If nothing else, a website nowadays, people check just to see if you're a legitimate business to have a website. I know I've done that several times where someone will be a marketer or, you know, I hear about a local business and I check to see if it has a website. If it doesn't, nine times out of ten, I won't bother doing business with that company, even if it's down to being a restaurant. It's like, oh, they're going to be gone in a few months. And usually they Mm -hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where this mentality. Every now and then, I'm like you, where someone will say, oh, "I don't need a website." And usually, at first, I kind of chuckle, being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, you don't need a website." And then it's like, "Oh no, you're being serious." So, <laughs> yeah. Having a website is so huge. Like we're gone are the days where your storefront was on Main Street in your little town, and uh-huh. that was your market. Um, uh-huh. Now we're a global economy, and that storefront is your website.
1: It, it absolutely is your website, and that's why it has to have all the right bills and whistles on it and not mm-hmm. bells and whistles that everyone else has. I think, I, I think one of the problems I see with a lot of websites is um, some people are afraid to have some creativity and originality that they mm-hmm. all feel they need to have a cookie-cutter look to it. So as a designer, what do you say to that?
2: Um, A lot of times what I'll say to people in that is I'll try to find out why they're scared to go away from something that's really vanilla and also looking around at other authors that they're doing and saying, well, let's try to mimic some of the stuff that's out there. Let's try to create something that's visually appealing. Um, One of the things that people are pushing back on really hard right now Mm -hmm. is we've been in a time when websites have been very text-heavy, there hasn't been a lot of graphic elements in there. I mean, there may have been some flash, but it was in there kind of spottily. And now we're moving over to where sites have a lot of images on them. And yeah. it's very dominant on these sites that there's a lot of images. And for a long time, we didn't do that because broadband speeds just weren't that great. Right? It took a while to download this content. But now with most people starting to get broadband connections and most folks on, who are viewing websites on smartphones, having you know i mean we complain about our phones internet connection but really compared to 10 years ago it's screaming fast and so having that we're able to go a lot image heavier and a lot of people have been kind of pushing back on that not necessarily liking the idea but when you're seeing a lot of the more forward-facing sites they're very image heavy they're very graphic heavy not not overly so they're not clunky but Mm -hmm. they have a lot of those kind of feels about it and just to bring something in that when someone looks at your site, it's going to give them a certain feel, a certain emotion, a certain message. You know, we've said before that uh, since a uh, image is worth a thousand words. Well, okay, so you can have several images on your on your website right from the word go. How many words are your are you conveying doing that?
1: Exactly. And, and that's what's really important to look like. And images are key. I mean, there was uh, some things that I was looking at dealing with the stats. And, and I, I have to ask you this, because when Google did their little crackdown back in April mm-hmm. on yeah. the, whether your uh, website was mobile-friendly, do you have any idea how many people paid attention to that? There
2: was a handful of folks that, that were, were pretty readily freaking out. But I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how many people actually did pay attention to it. A lot of it was that a lot of people were on what's called a CMS or content management system, Mm -hmm. and some of the data some of the in which we're talking about today, Squarespace is definitely a CMS. One of the pros of that is usually those tend to be a little bit more robust and have those features built in. But the con is not always, and I think a lot of folks that had CMS systems like WordPress or. Joomla or Squarespace most certainly is mobile friendly right out of the box. Um, just assume that their website had it, and in a lot of those other sites, it's something extra that you have to have put in, and they didn't have it. So I don't think folks pay quite as much attention to it as they should have.
1: Well, I know that the stats dealing with the mobile side of things that people better pay attention to it because mm-hmm. they're pretty they're pretty stunning with the conversion factors. Um, (laughs) If if you have anything to sell, and since we're talking to authors... <laughs> we're, we're assuming you're selling right. books we you want to sell books but right. uh, you know and and that's what's really important i mean that uh i mean for for mobile i mean if your if your book is designed maybe for more of the facebook crowd for example that i know that the recent stats show that almost uh, this is a stunning number almost 80% of facebook traffic comes from mobile devices now did you know that mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm I, I think I've heard similar numbers, yeah. Well I think about it, when I check Facebook, I very rarely go to their desktop site to choose on my phone.
1: Yeah, people are going in very quickly and going that. So the reality is for all of our listeners that if if whoever you're working with and designing your website, if they are not automatically making sure that it's it's uh, mobile-friendly and meets all the criteria, you're dealing with the wrong people. I'm just going to put that on the table. And you need to, that's one of the questions you need to ask. Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of designers now, um, most of the time when we start designing now, we actually design with a mobile-first approach. And mobile-first means we're putting our – it used to be we put our primary effort into making this this stunning desktop site and tablet and mobile versions were afterthoughts. And now when we do a lot of designs, our first – our mock-ups, our first things that we're doing is – How are we going to build, the? especially the phone version, since tablet versions are generally very similar to the the desktop version, how am I going to build the true phone mobile version of this site? How is this going to look? Because the bulk of the traffic is going to be going on that, and we know we can create pretty desktop sites.
1: Which is very cool, which is Mm -hmm. actually kind of fun. All right, so let's talk Mm -hmm. about some of the things that are coming on and that – So we we need the website because one, it's the main street store of whoever and whatever Mm -hmm. you are. Is that safe to say?
0: Yeah, oh, I agree.
1: Okay, and then um, and and plus, it's where people can can shop or they can connect with you or you can direct them to where they can shop and connect with you. All those things.
2: All those yeah, you can connect you can connect them to any of your other accounts, your mailing list. You can connect them to your your blogs on your website, 99 times out of 100, right? You can do all that, whatever their social media avenue they prefer or that they're transitioning over to because people do change with with, uh, social platforms. And then Mm -hmm. it's also something that you control. Like we used to use Facebook a lot, right? Facebook was really easy, really fantastic, and then they started changing stuff because they own it, and we didn't pay for it. So...
1: Your they can website, do
2: anything they want <laughs> they can do whatever they want yeah your your website you're that person you can do whatever you want so which
1: is very that's the other cool. real benefit all right. Yeah. So, so, Nick, when we come back, I, here's what I want you to, to jump into. It. Let's get into some costs. Let's get into what CMS is. A lot of people are not familiar with that phrase. And okay. uh, and some of the things that go on with the whole SEO line via the website. With me is Nick Taylor. He's the CEO of LightAndSoundGraphics.com. And the topic is websites.
0: This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know, but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Briles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book.
1: Some of us even have.
3: Then the hard work starts.
1: You'll need an editor.
3: Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106design can guide you through the maze.
1: They've helped more than a 1,000 authors
3: create top-quality books and avoid the not-so-reputable self-publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com.
1: Then call Michelle at 602-866-3226. 1106 Design.
4: Is there a book in you or another author? You will show you how to create, develop and publish your book without being good. If you already have a book out,
3: First impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an e-book, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com.
1: Well, websites are always of interest to me. And I know right now for the org, which is a membership site, we are doing massive changes in the membership area that will be rolling out next month. And I, the amount of hours that we are putting in designing what we have to do to load up has been, I have to tell you, overwhelming. And um, And that's not even the designers that are involved in it. So, Nick... How, how do we how do we keep away from that overwhelm factor? I mean, if let me just say this: if you bring in, if, let's say I'm you know I'm, I'm Judith Browse and I have nothing, and I want a website, mm. what would you tell me I need to get to get my act together so I can go forward?
2: When it comes to a website, I would ask you what you're looking to get from your website, what your marketing approach is, how you're planning on doing business. Because there's so many varieties of website out there. there's so many ways of going to market with them. and it's important to know how you're planning on going to market. Um, and it's going to be a little different for every, every company. you know you could have someone who's a very small you have a bank for example. there is completely different than an author. you know and we need to know these things when we first start. So I would ask an author, you know, what are you planning on doing? what's, your, what's your, your digital strategy on here? How are you planning on doing business? And then from there, we would pick a CMS that would go, or, am sorry, a website type design that would go well for them. Nine times out of 10, I'm gonna tell them to go with Squarespace. Personally, as a designer, I'll take that. Or, you know, we may look at another option that's out there, depending on the type of business that's out there. Um, some sites, some companies still do fine with just a static website where it's just plain old fashioned HTML. My publishing site is like that. It, it doesn't need a blog, it doesn't have a blog, it's not my primary site. It doesn't need some of those fancy bells and whistles, it's more of an informational spot where people can go to see more about Sony and Press, and moreover, if booksellers want to go and purchase things, that's the portal that they'd go through that. And I don't need to have anything that's got any extra bells and whistles behind the scenes for that kind of site. For an author, though, you probably do have a blog, so that's something that we have to think about. Okay, if you have a blog, then that means we need to look at platforms that are allow you how to blog. You know, How do you do this? Are you doing video? Well, okay, what platforms are gonna work well with video? What platforms are not gonna work well with video? All those kind of things you wanna consider when you're going in. And generally, when people are getting a new site, they're gonna be overwhelmed. If for no, Even if it's something super simple, if for no other reason, then folks tend to get a little, and, and rightfully so, scared because all of a sudden, now I'm up for the entire planet to see um, everything that's out there, and I'm going to have this, this site that's out there. Even if it's a single page, you know, sheet about a book, people tend to get a little, you know, anxious about it. And as designers, we try to talk people off that ledge. It's, I mean, you know how it goes when somebody's publishing a book, especially for the first time. You're so anxious, you're so worried, you're so overwhelmed. And by the time you've made it to a couple books down, you're just like, oh yeah, we're coming up to pub. You know, I've got to deal this, this, and this, and you've lo- you've lost some of that anxiety. Websites can be the same way.
1: All right, so the essentials. There are essentials you have to have, and there are some key questions you really have to ask yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. before you really go forward. And that starts with what do you want your website to do? And I I think that Mm -hmm. that really would be one of those core little goodies that that you talked about. All right, as we went in the break, I threw out the uh, three initials, CMS. So let's let's, uh, reveal what CMS is, why it's important, and what it's all about. Okay. So
2: CMS stands for Content Management System. And what a content management system is, Is it is a back end to a website where you can go in and you can put in your blog posts, you change your web page content, all that kind of stuff, and it'll affect different elements on your site. Okay. This is CMSs are really handy for people who are not designers and who are not coders. Okay, so that means that as a lay user, I have an interface that I can go in that has a little text window in there and I can say, okay, I want to write my blog post, and I write my blog post in there, I copy and paste it in from somewhere else, and I click on publish, and it shows up on my website, and it looks pretty and looks like the rest of the website, or I need to go in, and I need to change my About Me page, so I click on the pages in there, and I go to my About Me, and I have, again, this nice little text editor that doesn't look anything like my site. It looks a little bit like Word, kind of a watered-down version of Word, and I change my stuff, and I click on publish, and my site updates, Okay. This saves you from having to have what used to be a very common problem, not a problem, but a common thing that folks had to go through was whenever they wanted to make a change to their website, they had to contact their webmaster. because that was the person who wrote the code, and unless you knew how to code your website, you had to contact someone even for, hey, we need to change a name, or we need to change a typo, or we need to add or remove a product or a sale item, whatever, they had to contact their webmaster. They had to make that change and update it. It was something that was time consuming and very costly because every time you contact your webmaster, you either were getting billed by the hour or that webmaster had some sort of monthly or annual deal to where you could make X number of changes for whatever they they billed you for it. With a CMS, you don't have so much that. only time you're contacting your webmaster is when you're reskinning or basically redesigning your website or if something is broken on there, uh, mm-hmm. another nice part about a CMS is if you do completely design how change how the site looks, all of your content will stay the same. So all your text on there is the same. You don't have to re-input all that kind of stuff.
1: All right, so it's it's a it, there's a simplification to it, and it's something mm-hmm. that that once the author takes control, they can do some of these things themselves versus always paying someone to do it for them? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much.
1: All right. Well, that sounds like a really good idea to me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, the big ones that are out there are Globe, WordPress, Squarespace. Those are all very popular CMSs. They give you varying levels of control over your Mm -hmm. site.
1: Well, you know, as someone who is in and out of my uh, the back ends of, of my sites, I mean, I don't, I don't get involved in design. The people who are involved with that, I just say I need to have this or can we figure out how to do this. But I sure want to be able to access very quickly to drop in content. Um, and it's in <clears> some kind of a template that there's a consistency that I don't have to worry about how it's all going to fall through. I just have to get the stuff up there. I, I think that's right. really important. Um, yeah, yeah it
2: takes uh, the headache out of having a website and updating a
1: website uh, yeah, yeah which is critical and webs and and again, I think all our listeners need to understand that um, if you have something like and, and, and both uh, Nick and I have websites that are publishing related where we have our publishing companies up there that they they don 't need any action on them except for you update them when you have new books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or if there's any changes in policies. Otherwise, they just go mind their own business And uh, yep. there. I mean, you could direct them. You could have – I, I would recommend that you put on that kind of site, if you have one, the author website. Uh, if it's just you, I would put your author website that they could go over and see who you are. Um, If they want to, if you're a publishing company that you have a whole bunch of authors, if it's a few, you could certainly do that. But that could become overwhelming, too. But for most of us here, it's if we're publishing other people's books, it's going to be just a few versus dozens and dozens, and you can get away with that. Otherwise, what you do need is all the action on your personal website, and I am radical about my belief that a website should be in the author's name. And if you can't get your own name, you put your name and add author up after it to get the .com, um, just to mm-hmm. make it easier um, for that. So you mentioned Squarespace. So that's yep. one of the new players. So let's talk about WordPress, which everybody knows. Everyone knows WordPress. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly. I'm a um, mine are up on WordPress at this point. Um, but let's talk about some comparisons and why an author, especially someone who's just starting on this path or maybe doing some re, like repurposing or starting a new one, because you don't always have to have one website, right? Right. Yeah. You know,
2: sometimes right. you have multiples.
1: Yeah. So, what is Square? I almost said Square Pants. I can't believe I did that. I <laughs> <so senior. laughs> oh, well, <Bob. laughs>
2: Squarespace is a CMS, okay? So like WordPress and Joomla, it's a CMS. Squarespace is a little bit different, though. They are newer. Um, they're a little bit more evolved, I would go so far as to say, than some of the older platforms that are out there one of the things that makes squarespace different is it's paid for for example wordpress is free it's Mm -hmm. freeware um you can put it on any site you want all that kind of stuff. squarespace is not squarespace is a monthly service and it is completely hosted on their cloud hosting okay what that allows squarespace to do is give you much higher level of service it also allows them to create um, and manage products that are only on their environment And therefore have a significantly higher level of reliability because it's on their system the other big differences between the two are with WordPress you do have slightly more control on a design aspect Um, on a WordPress what you're usually paying a designer to do is to build a theme for your site is what it's called and a theme can have multiple different types of page types in there and when you're Putting content in in your pages and all that kind of stuff, you're just saying, I want you to use this theme page. I want this to be this theme page and all that kind of stuff. Whereas with Squarespace, you start with one of their off-the-box, out-of-the-box templates, and you can completely reskin and customize it. So there's quite a bit that you can do with the site, but there is slightly more control, generally speaking, over a WordPress site.
1: Okay, hold on for, to that. We're going to come. Nick, hold on to that. We're going to come back. That take one more break, um, and then we'll publishing. find
0: out everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Doctor Judith Briles, and we'll be right back with more great information right after these.
3: Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Briles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com.
4: When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers, creating beautiful and well-made books. We're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing question. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires, More than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward.
0: Welcome back to your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask coming up you'll hear more about statistics scenarios and strategies on what to do now to get you published so let's get back to the show and here again is your host
1: dr judith briles You know, we always do um, some, some kind of a plug. You hear our commercials as we go through. So I get to do a plug for the Book Shepherd, and that's me. But I have my big annual event coming up towards the end of August, and there are four spots left in it. And the dates are August 27th through the 29th. All the information is on the bookshepherd.com website. This is for Judith Bryles, Book Publishing Unplugged. The first day on the 27th, we are going to be deep diving into all my favorite gizmos and gadgets and things that will make you as an author, for your book sales positioning, and your platform soar in the process. The next two days, we have a a really fun, off-the-wall creativity exercise that you won't believe by the time you're done. You'll giggle, you'll laugh, you'll hoot, and you'll come away with some amazing ah ahas, and it will allow the true little kid spirit come out. And then we really get into some um, uh, marketing strategies and speaking strategies, and I'm going to show you, I will hot seat several people and push your books out to over a million people within in 10 minutes and show you how to do that. So if you're interested, if you want to really soar at what you're doing with your book, whether you have it out or you're in the process, you want to come to Judith Briles Unplugged. The dates are August 27th through 29th. And questions, just call me directly. And here is my personal phone number. It's 303-885-2207 if you want to claim one of those four spots. With me today is Nick Taylor, one of my favorite people. He will be at the Unplugged event on Saturday um, to be available to answer any questions about web- websites, about design, um, about some of the things that he does, um, and ebooks when we're there. And that we're talking today about websites, and we're just just kind of opening up a, a new platform that certainly was new to me just a few weeks ago called Squarespace. And Nick, I don't know how long you've been aware about it, but you've really become quite an advocate for it.
2: I have. I've known about it for a couple of years. I had um, a good friend of mine whose website, his WordPress website. Um, malware crash. I can't remember what all happened. And he finally threw him down and was like, I'm done. I hate this platform. I'm finished. And he switched over to Squarespace and has absolutely loved it ever since. And I have had several clients that have gone through it. And so I've gotten a chance to go in there and play around on the back end and play around with that site. And I think it is just the cat's meow. I think it's fantastic. In five years, will it be the cat's meow? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You know, we thought WordPress and all those were going to stay around forever.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: There's always something new. So, right now, I think it is just absolutely fantastic.
1: There is always something new. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Always something new in the process. And the, the, um, uh, I I think that that's really what's important. You've got to stay on the alert. Um, changes and you have to also be receptive that maybe what you're doing now has has is at an expiration date. You know, what? I mean, mm-hmm. we all need to yeah. look at that. Um, if it is, it is it working or is it not working? Do you need to fine tune it or do you need to trash it? It's always an important thing um, to ask. Uh, it is with I was going to
2: say in design. Standards and design—you know—things that are going on in the web design world are always, always changing. I had a client recently who was told that he's like, "Well, I got my last website, which I think was a Joomla site." He was like, "I was told that site was going to be good for twenty years, and it's like, ah, uh, no, probably not." And he's having a completely rebuilt site about five years later, which is about right when technologies change, design things have changed, and this is kind of how it goes.
1: And, and it does change, which is kind of fun, which I like. All right. So let's talk about costs, Nick, um, and going in okay. because I know I have spent a frickin' fortune on websites. I have. That, yeah. not, not a few hundred dollars, thousands of dollars on websites. So tell me, um, what, what's the routine cost? What, what, what should you expect to pay when you're expecting here? And how does okay. this compare with some of the other options that you're talking about?
2: Okay. So, um, these numbers that I pulled, just so people know, um, the, the two primary numbers I'm going to be talking about one I pulled from the space and site, just so I can do a comparison right on their site. And the other one I pulled, there's a book called the Graphic Artists Hand Guild book, uh, handbook. And that has numbers and stuff in there that are nationally average, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So basically, when we look at a WordPress, setup, I'm sorry, a Squarespace site, your hosting per year if you get their basic membership, which is just fine for your average author, is going to be $96 for the year. which is not, not too bad. An mm-hmm. email account, you're going to want to get an email account that has your author, that has your website at the end of it. They don't provide email, but Gmail does, and for $50 a year you can have a Gmail account that has your app to or at taylor.com You probably don't want to use our website, but your own website mm-hmm. on there. Right. Right. And then a domain, you're going to be running about $20 a year. Your first year with Squarespace, they do include a domain, um, but after that, it's $20 a year, which is a pretty standard fee. To develop a WordPress site, what my standard bill is for your base average author site that's a blog, um, some pages that are in there, maybe a little e-commerce in there if they have an item that they want to sell. That would come in at five hundred dollars to design that site and to skin that site, and customize that WordPress, that that Squarespace theme, and then to teach the author how to use it. Okay, so that brings you up to a grand total of six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Okay, so not too shabby. If no. I were to go. With another provider, and these numbers that I pulled for my hosting and everything were pulled from GoDaddy.com.
1: Yes, yes.
2: So yes. for the GoDaddy basic membership, as for the hosting, is eighty-five dollars a year. Right now, they're always running different specials. So for right now, that's that's what it is. Email is included in that, and then around twenty dollars a year for your domain. Your first year, whenever you buy a new domain, you'll see them on sale. You can get them for five or six bucks. But it's those year two and three where you start paying your normal. You know, around twenty dollars per domain. Now, mm-hmm. the graphic artist hand guild book says for a dynamic site, which is a mobile friendly site, mm-hmm. that the base cost is six thousand dollars to have that site done. I've seen some WordPress developers that'll do a theme for around four grand, but those numbers are pretty in line with what I've seen a lot of folks pay. Um, sometimes you can get around one or two thousand dollars to have that site developed but it's just going to kind of vary on what you have. And since I don't know who your developer is or the part of the country you're in where prices can vary, I'm just going off of their their bill, which brings it up to a total of $6,105 even. So it's quite a bit of money to have that site done. The other thing that I looked at
1: why is it so expensive? I mean, I, I mean, because I have spent a, a few thousand dollars on on my sites over the years. I mean, many, sometimes multiple times. You know, when we've gone mm-hmm. in for full gutting and redoing, why is it so freaking expensive? I mean,
2: they're very I mean, time consuming. Uh, websites are especially um, any theme building is very time consuming. It's not mm-hmm. easy work to do. Um, mm-hmm. People who work in the theme-developing space all day long are still like, oh, it's easy, but it's because they do it all day long. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a huge amount of us out there who actually will do a WordPress theme. A lot of people won't even deal with them. Um, same with Joomla and all of those. They can be very tedious. and there's other people who love developing those sites. Don't get me wrong. But they're very labor-intensive. There's not a huge amount of people who do them, and so the market will yield those higher prices. Um, and that's basically why you're coming down on that price point on that one. Whereas with the Squarespace, they're making it up over the course of all of these many people who are paying their monthly service. So they're constantly making money off of it. So for them, they're able to offset that development cost by having their monthly service on there. Whereas your web designer doesn't have that. They build your theme, and they upload it, and they teach you how to put a blog post on there, and you go on your way.
1: You know, Whereas but with
2: Squarespace, they're more partnering with
1: you. I, my experience is though that that authors who have had you know the customized website done on a WordPress mm-hmm. theme or wherever they do it, it's not a one shot deal. It's not that to me, and certainly for, not for me, um, it's not that you develop. Okay, we're done and and thank you, give me your check and thank you and we're out of here. I am go mm-hmm. I go back. I'm interacting once or at least a couple of times a month. Um, Mm -hmm. or things that need to be fine tuned or tweaked or added or something's not right or blah, 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 blah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I see money going, (laughs) I see money going out every month. The, the thing Mm -hmm. that what I, what I, what I'm interested in and intrigued with the, you, you know, your whole deal on the Squarespace deal is that, um, that if you can bring it in, and and have a, a scenario where you can have customizing going on. That's what I'm hearing. There is, even though they've got a gazillion templates, there is a way to do some customization here. Is that not correct? Or did I hear that wrong? Yeah, out? we take
2: – no, that's correct. We take um, – I tell clients when they're looking at the WordPress theme to pick yeah. a theme that has, like, a kind of navigation and overall, like, design and feel they like, and then we completely reskin it, change out colors, swap out fonts, all yeah. that, you know, images, all that kind of stuff. So it's their site. It's just you're kind of starting with the bones. And they're very pretty bones because Squarespace wants you to know what a finished site looks like. But, um, yeah, we start with the bones and we change it. And I teach authors how they can go in and tweak everything on their site. And that's the beauty. When these sites are done, I mean, an author could do this off the shelf themselves. They could go in and customize this. If you're not tech savvy, you may kind of hate your life um, or design savvy. But, um you know, if you've already had this done and you need to go in and tweak something or change something, it's something that at the end of knowing how to use Squarespace and after your 20 minutes of training on how to use this, this platform, you can go in and do that. Well, and if there's anything broken, you can email. square so have email and online support. You tell them and it's free because it's part of your membership. And they go and fix if anything's broken, which is very, very, very rarely happens.
1: Oh, well, I love it when things people fix them when they're broken. All right, we're going to be right back. Nick Taylor is our guest for talking websites and introducing you to a really a new source on author you, your guide to book publishing. This is Judith Brails.
0: This is Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host Dr. Judith Briles, and we'll be right back with more great information right after these.
4: The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems, you want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, or by a publishing service provider, or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today. 303 Eight eight five two two zero seven. that's 303 or email her at, at com. by the way Briles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd
0: Stay tuned, and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Doctor Judith Riles.
1: All right. So in our final segment, we're going to look at some other things, designing with design, and maybe some um, e-commerce. So uh, that we tie in. How? How? What's the best way? Um, Nick on a website to monetize for the store, the product. And, you know, I, and I have to tell you, I'm always, it's almost a dilemma that what do you call mm-hmm. those tabs? I mean, I, I hear these rules. You should only have so many tabs, um, you know, on their, on your header. You should only have so many. You should only have one word on it that I don't know what you should and what you shouldn't. Can you help us out a little bit or what your experience is as both an author and a designer?
2: For sure. So a lot of times when you hear a lot of those rules, we're speaking to general, generalized things. You know, in general, you only want to have X, you only want to have this. But like most things in design, there's just as many examples that break the rule that there are that actually follows the rule. So you're going to want to really look and see what's out there. The more simplistic your navigation is can be better, but at the same time, you don't want a navigation that's so simplistic that people can't find your content. Um, It's always a balance. There's moderation in all things, whether it's simplicity or complexity, you want to do that. I've seen websites where there's like three or four rows of navigation tabs, and those sites are a bit of a bear to navigate. Now, when I've been on the site a few times, I know exactly which tab I want to go down sometimes they can get a little difficult. Um, conversely, I've also been on sites that have like two or three links that are up in their navigation, and I can't find squat, right? So you just want to try to keep that balance in mind. And when you're working with a designer, they'll tell you that. With an author, generally you have your homepage, and your homepage might be your blog, it might be the books that you've just released, whatever your homepage is going to be, your standard landing page content. Then you'll generally have an about, your books, then in your books in there, you link out to all the different places that they can buy it. A contact section. And if you do have, you know, maybe your blog's not your homepage and you might have a, a blog tab. or And then you'll have a contact tab. You may also have a store tab. If you're selling your book or you're selling some other product, you'll generally have a store tab on there or a shopping cart or whatever. You decide to name it that works with your company, with your product. And then in that tab, people can go in. And there should be links to all these sites on different places. So if you're talking about your book, in some blog post, put a link to your books tab and to that page on your book. If you have multiple books out there, I would not give each book its own link on the navigation. I would say book. They hover over that or click on it. They're going to bring up a page that has all your books on them that they can click down to to an individual book page. Or if they hover over that link, it's going to bring down a list of books that they can go then go and click on that book's page
1: Mm -hmm. i totally support that yeah yeah, i I would i would rather have them go to a page where everything is laid out because even if you just Mm -hmm. have one book um, what i would suggest especially if you have a really attractive layout of your book for our listeners, if you have attractive layout or if, if, if you have a little bit of uh, whether you, you have call-outs within the interior um, and it, it looks good or if you have any illustrations, I would have your book designer send you a, a PDF and JPEG of an opening visual so that you can see that and drop it in so they can actually see what this baby looks like inside, not just, you know. Mm-hmm. That you can, and, and also I always recommend on that landing page is that you include a chapter or two that they can really scan through and look at, and complete. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be chapter one and chapter two. It could be maybe a juicy one on chapter seven. I mean, who knows? Um, but something in there that gives them a little bit more than what maybe Amazon would show. Yeah. So. That's my, you know, it's a store. You know what? This is a store, so mm. you know you're selling. It doesn't mean that they're they may not be buying off your website. You may be linking them to Nook, or and I I'd, I'd suggest you know you go ahead and put Barnes and Noble. You put Amazon on, and I would also put a, an image for on your website for IndieBound. Then go mm-hmm. in and find out about IndieBound, because what that does, it directs them to an independent bookstore in your zip code area, in anybody visitor's zip code area, and it'll tell you where to go to get the book, which I think is also cool. So Yeah, I think those
2: are excellent of it, ways of doing that. Yeah, because you want to make sure people can get to the vendor that they prefer to buy products through.
1: Exactly, because some people may, may not want to buy at Amazon. You know, mm-hmm. so give them a choice. I, I, I like choices. I've always been a choice person. All right. So what about? Um, I, I don't think we can leave talking about websites about all the widgets and the gadgets for all the SEO stuff and how mm-hmm. to. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned in the first segment about the stagnant uh, website. So if how do mm-hmm. we create this to make the Google gods love you? <laughs> how do you like
2: about that? One of the big. Right. Yeah. For sure. So one of the things, um, and I'll just continue to use Squarespace as the example on it. Um, they come off the, they come out of the shelf, mobile responsive. They're actually reflowable websites, which means that the website will change its look and appearance based on how big the browser is looking at If you take a Squarespace or any reflowable website site, and you click on the bottom corner of your browser. You can shrink it down and see what it's going to look like on an iPad or on a Fire. And you can shrink it down even further and see exactly what it's going to look like on a phone. Okay? So that's a fully responsive design. Responsive design, Google likes. Any sort of mobile-friendly, if you have, like, separate mobile versions of your site and tablet versions of your site, Google likes those, too, same amount. <laughs> when it comes to SEO, there are a lot of professionals that do that. But it's maximizing your content. It's putting stuff into your page's head. Is targeting specific keywords in different layers of headings. We see a lot of SEO coming in there, and even in image naming. When we're going in and naming an image that's going on our website, that also has an SEO element to it. It's very important on a static site. SEO is relatively easy to do because we're building everything code up on, you know, a WordPress. There's usually extra plugins that you can put in to get that. When it comes to SEO optimization and being able to optimize the site, Squarespace comes with that off the, out of the box. You can put in all that kind of stuff, but they don't do it for you. Like It doesn't go through and analyze and say, hey, this is a publisher who's talking about management, and they put in all the stuff for well, it. No, you got to make sure you're using your proper keywords and putting it in your head and your descriptions and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, I- with most of these sites, it's pretty easy to do. Well, I... I'm
1: sorry about that. Oops, we lost me. All right. Well, back. Yeah, he's All back. Right? All right. There we go. It's Internet Connections. For every uh, blog you put up, for every article you put up, for every newsletter you put up, you should be putting up keywords and keyword phrases. That mm-hmm. will bring in SEO attendance. What about Nick putting up um, that that keeps action going on? For example, I know that I have on both the Book Shepherd and the Author You websites that I've got uh, Twitter feeds uh, running. There's Facebook feeds running. I've got on the on the Book Shepherd site my clout score uh, shows mm-hmm. up. Um, what about those kind of running feeds? What kind of goose or juice do you get from those?
2: You can get a little bit of juice from them. Um, uh, the problem with a lot of those type of feeds, generally speaking, and, I, and I'm not, I will go out and say I'm not an SEO expert. Do um, design, all that kind of stuff. There's folks who specialize in this. But in general, those type of feeds are pulling from content from somewhere else. And so they may or may not be getting you anything just because it's a live thing that when you go on the site, that's when it's going out and fetching that data. And so it's not necessarily searchable by a lot of the websites. Some of those widgets may be designed to allow that to happen, but generally speaking, they're not going to be. This is a problem that had come around Mm. when folks were using outside blogging platforms, and then they were just tying that feed into their website. And then they're like, oh, I have a blog on my website, and they're just tying that feed on there, and that website got absolutely no SEO benefits from that because that blog was not posted on there, and Google spiders could not find it, didn't know it was there, So really, they were trying to do all their SEO across two websites, the blog and then their main website, and then ended up being losers on it. So Uh, on that kind of stuff, you can run into that.
1: Okay, so the question is, what do the Google Spiders like?
2: They like stuff that's on your site. They do like to see keywords. They like to see people linking to you. Um, That's huge if people are linking to you. They treat social media a little bit differently, um, and they go after that separately, and that's up to, you know, that's kind of how Google handles all their algorithms and stuff. But they do want to see if a site's being linked to by a bunch of other websites. If there is activity on the site, sometimes it'll go into a blog and be able to see some of the commenting and some of the things that are going on in there. It's definitely looking at the keywords inside of a blog. It's looking at the headings that you're using. It's looking at the images. A lot of times, and, and this is something that Google's always changing its algorithm, they're never really open about what they're doing. Right. Um, which makes sense because then we'd gain the system. But, um you know, they do tend to like images. Video is huge. Google loves, loves, loves video. And you can embed video, you can embed a YouTube into your site, and that will increase your ranking because it searches its own networks first. It searches YouTube first because Google owns YouTube.
1: Right. So, but if there's, you know, but if there's your YouTube site is kind of stagnant anyway, you won't get much juice out of that. Is that correct? You need, not generally speaking, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: not necessarily. You can get away with, like, if you're doing, um, if the only videos you have are, you know, when someone comes on your page and you're talking about your book or whatever, you can target those really highly well. That was Uh probably said very well. You could do a very good job of targeting those. And people would still be able to find your site and still be able to find that kind of content that does still work. But, uh, yeah, anytime you can incorporate video is going to help.
1: All right. So video is hot. So keep doing them in little ones. and, And those of you who are on Twitter, find out about Vine because you want to take advantage of that. There's a huge retweet going on on that. And with that, Nick, we're going to have to wrap up. Thank you for being with us. We look forward to seeing you at Judith Browse Unplugged at the end of August. And I hope a lot of our listeners come, too. Next week, we're going deep diving into character development with fiction with award-winning Mark Stevens, who just won the top Colorado Fiction Book Award. And with that, it's another episode. Keep writing, keep publishing. This is Thank Judith Riles. Thank you for
0: being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week...